0: Hi, this is Jim Lyon. You're listening to Viewpoint. With me today, Kimberly Vajesky, how are you?
1: I'm well, Jim. How are you?
0: I'm fine. And I know that you're well in part because you have a Starbucks on your horizon. You're (laughs) you're thinking about that Starbucks stop, aren't you?
1: That's right. An afternoon pick-me-up.
0: What are you going to order there?
1: Venti iced coffee with two stevia and a splash of half and half.
0: And I'm thinking you go to Starbucks often enough, particularly this one store near our studio,
1: that they probably know you by name. They know me by name and by beverage. <laughs> <laughs>
0: they, can, they can get it going even as you walk up. Yes. And there's something about a Starbucks store, especially if you're a regular patron that creates an ambiance of of home almost. I mean it's a it's Familiarity, a moarity. Yes. And I know not everyone experiences Starbucks that way, and some people complain about the cost of the product, and others say it's too crowded. And I mean, there's all kinds of ways in which it can be diminished. But in the main, this is a company that has really succeeded. Yeah. <laughs> even if you don't like going there, mm-hmm. nobody's going to quarrel with the fact that this is a global phenomenon. And in this series of programs of viewpoint, we're actually talking about lessons we can learn from our local Starbucks because Starbucks is a collection of local stores. Yes, they've got beans in your supermarket. but, Fundamentally, at the core of its being, it's a series of outlets where you can go in and buy coffee, but also talk and be heard. Oh, there's a reason maybe the company succeeds. Mm -hmm. Stay with us. We'll be right back. So, Kimberly, when you go to Starbucks, and uh, I visit the same store that you often do near our studio, yes, I never go there when it's quiet altogether. I mean, it can be quiet, but there's always <laughs> somebody buzz. talking yes. there, isn't uh-huh. there? Uh-huh. I mean, we're near a university. You teach at that school. Yes. During the school term, it's filled with students. That's right. Sometimes they're studying, but there's often they're talking about this or that. Mm-hmm. There are people who are talking to family members. Yes, I I meet my wife there sometimes, and we talk. You
1: always see people you know. uh, You're always going to bump into folks from the community. Yeah, that's just a given.
0: And then the people behind the counter, they're talking too. They're talking to me. Yes. Or they're actually listening to me. So Mm -hmm. in my case, I don't really like coffee. And that makes me an anomaly at Starbucks. (laughs) (laughs) I never drink coffee. And in life. (laughs) In life. (laughs) Yes, maybe I am the oddball, the outlier. But that said, I love Starbucks. I like what I find there in terms of the community, mm-hmm. and there are things that I really enjoy having there. I've become a fan of their little pre-packaged two hard-boiled eggs and a little <laughs> peanut butter and a little piece of bread and the some apple plate. and cheese. It's the I protein I know it, yes. I'm, I mean, I'm a, I'm a fan, but I really love the dark chocolate-covered graham crackers. I'm telling you, this yep. is the best-kept secret at Starbucks. Most people don't even know they exist, but usually right there by the cashier, you'll find them so delicious. You know why they're so good? Because when you bite into those chocolate-covered graham crackers, the chocolate is so thick. Uh You can see your teeth marks on them. Okay. I'm telling you. (laughs) Well, the reason I bring that up is the people at Starbucks have actually listened to me. Yes. Because I want that. They're primed Mm -hmm. to serve people who order fancy coffee drinks. But when I walk in that store, they know what I want. Right. They have heard me. Yeah. And they actually will sometimes go behind the counter to get them for me before I even say anything because they are paying attention
1: That's right. to what
0: my preferences are, just like they know what you want to order. That's right. And just like they know what my wife wants to order. Mm-hmm. And they've even identified me as her husband mm-hmm. asking if I want to get something for her too when she's not with me. Yeah. All of this is about listening. And the lesson we can learn from our local Starbucks is that listening really pays off. So I've been walking through a book with a group of young guys that are in a kind of book club with me. And the book is titled, It's Not About the Coffee, Lessons on Putting People First from a Life at Starbucks. The author's name is Howard Bahar. He's retired from Starbucks now, but for many years, he was a part of their executive team. He was responsible for Starbucks being planted outside the United States. He helped steward them when they first went to Canada, which was the next country beyond the US where they started to open business. Okay. And then around the world, doesn't matter where you are in the world, there's a Starbucks these days it's seems. And Howard Bahar was the guy who helped manage all that. So he was high up in the company, deeply ingrained in its culture. And he's written a book about how you put people first and it pays off. And he wrote a whole chapter about listen for the truth. Mm. And he talks about how walls talk. And by that, he means that in every Starbucks store, in every office, in every house, everywhere, there are walls that are witnesses, so to speak, and they're talking. I think what he means by that is The walls are not literally talking, but there are people talking all around us, and we just don't stop to listen. So we walk by walls, and we don't listen to them. We walk through rooms of people, we don't listen to Mm -hmm. them. We walk into our office, we're not really listening. Mm -hmm. We walk into Starbucks, and we're not necessarily listening. And yet he says, when you stop to listen, then doorways are open for engagement. In his world, that meant more business, because when people feel like they're heard— They want to come back for more because all of us want to be understood. Isn't that true?
1: Right. Absolutely.
0: And he's just suggesting that if you want to have a successful business or influence people, you have to kind of lead with your heart, not your head, and first listen. Mm -hmm. He quotes Eleanor Roosevelt saying, to handle yourself, use your head. To handle others, use your heart. Makes so much sense, doesn't it?
2: It's powerful. Uh, I, I need
0: to be I need to be more uh, ruthless when I look at myself sometimes. <laughs> but with others, I need to have a little more grace. And usually we invert that, don't we? Boy, well, yeah. I'm full of grace when it comes to looking at myself.
2: Yeah.
0: For you, not so much. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, by that, I mean when I look at other people, not yeah. so much. But let's put turn that around. He has another phrase that I thought so good. It's called compassionate emptiness. What does he mean by that?
1: Well, he says it's listening with compassion, without preconceived notions, and that that levels the field and makes it a safe place to share.
0: Well, it makes so much sense, doesn't it? Yeah. Emptiness sounds like a negative word. It's empty. But actually, in this case, it's a positive. He's saying, approach a relationship or listening with some emptiness. Don't let your Your listening ears be cluttered with all of your prejudice, your prejudgments. You've already sized it up. That's not really listening.
1: Yes. And that's what we do. We already make up a narrative in our heads. We already um, make a decision in our heads, oftentimes before we even sit across the table from someone and try to work something through. And yeah, to come with space for that to be filled up with. The facts, or what this person's going through, or their point of view, or the things that are happening in and around them that you didn't know about. That it's changes. Compassion, it's isn't it? compassion. It changes the dialogue altogether.
0: So listen compassionately with an empty space, allowing the person to be heard in completeness before you then make mm-hmm. conclusions. Mm-hmm. He lists a few things that they try and do at Starbucks. And again, I'm not sure it works every time in every place, but this is the ambition. Do it in person. Uh, don't send emails. Don't right. try to engage people, especially in difficult conversations, right. unless you're there in person. Listen for the meaning below the surface, because we often just talk superficially. Mm-hmm. What's really going on ne- underneath? Let silence fill the heart. I like this, that he says that at Starbucks, they want you to ask and you will hear. In other words, you can't know unless you ask. hmm and in the management, Starbucks, they have to ask the person who's actually making the new concoction. How was that to make? Right. Are there too many steps? You know, because it's unlikely they'll volunteer that feedback unless you ask them. Right. But in ordinary life, I need to ask Kimberly. You know, what did you really think about that last broadcast? Yes. Because you might not volunteer it unless I invited you to come with your thoughts and ideas. Is it
1: helpful that I pour milk into your cereal before you come down in the
0: morning? (laughs) Or does that
1: frustrate you because it gets soggy before you're ready to eat? Those are things that you want to know, Just
0: ask, make it safe uh, to speak, be responsive and give some feedback. Don't just stare like a stone. Interact, but do so after you've listened. Well, all of this brings me, this is no surprise, to the Gospel of John because you know I've been reading that. And these ideas are not original to Starbucks. Actually, they're modeled really well in the New Testament. And when we come back, Kimberly, I'd like to share with you a story and unpack it about not just lessons at Starbucks, but lessons of Jesus that fill everyday life.
3: Water you turn into wine You open the eyes of the blood. There's no one like you, not like you. Into the darkness you shine, and out of the ashes we rise. There's no God is strong Our God is greater, our God is stronger
0: One of the most famous and compelling stories of Jesus in the New Testament is this famous narrative of Jesus in a public space Mm -hmm. with a woman who is apprehended, so-called caught in the very act of adultery. One of my favorites. And this this moment, this intersection, displays so magnificently the supernatural wisdom of Jesus, but also the nature of his heart. And as I think about compassionate listening, as I think about the walls have. Mm -hmm. eyes and voices, and Mm -hmm. and they're talking all the time, but I just don't hear them. I think about Jesus in this narrative, in this space, and how he reacted, and how he resolved what could have been a dreadful tragedy and awful crisis, because he listened really well and then gave some feedback. And Kimberly, the story is told in John chapter 8, beginning with verse 1. Share it with us. Jesus
1: returned to the Mount of Olives They were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him, but Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. They kept demanding an answer, so he stood up again and said, All right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. And then he stooped down and he wrote in the dust. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. And then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, Where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, Neither do I. Go and sin no more.
0: It's a masterwork, really. Yes. I mean, Powerful story. It, it's, it's a testimony to me about the divinity of Scripture. You couldn't make this up. Mm-hmm. And there's Jesus in the temple. It's probably an outdoor courtyard or a, a walled enclave of some kind. Mm-hmm. And he's there, and there's a crowd. But, hey, the walls talk, just like Howard Bahar says yeah. in the Starbucks book. I mean, the walls are talking. But most of us are in the crowd, and we're not listening. It's, just, it's a confusion of sound, and we're mm-hmm. preoccupied with our own thoughts. But Jesus is reading the room, you might say. Right. And the crowd is largely angry, mm-hmm. and, uh, they're talking, and they're talking. They're talking loudly, yeah. and they have lots to say. And what's interesting is Jesus doesn't just turn around and walk away and say, done. Yeah. I don't need this. not I'm, dealing with this. I'm not, yeah, I mean often when I begin to hear the walls talking around me or the people around me, I just want to walk away. I want to escape, or I Mm -hmm. want to just tune it out. Mm -hmm. I don't have time for this. I don't need this. I have my own world, my own life. But Jesus is listening to them. We often see the men in this story as the bad guys, and they are not at their best moment. There's no Mm -hmm. question about that. But even they, Jesus respects enough to hear them. Mm-hmm. He listens to what they say, even though they're way off base it seems, mm-hmm. and he's going to help them come to that conclusion on their own mm-hmm. because he's such a great listener. Mm-hmm. He could have just said, shut up. <laughs> and yeah. how how would have that worked? Yeah. Would they have examined themselves? Would they have rethought their 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 journey? Would they have looked inwardly? No, they would have just been more angry at him, and they'd still be wanting to kill the woman.
1: Well, and he's listening to them, even though they're trying to trap him. They want to get him in this legal debate. Actually, these the Pharisees, these men are fulfilling the religious law. There is someone who in among their people who has sinned. And so what they need to do as um, good followers of God is to deal with this sin. And so they want to get Jesus in a predicament. But he listens and then deals back in a way differently than what they expect.
0: Well, and there you have it. He is listening to them as they are essentially assaulting him and trying to trap him. Right. And his his mode of response is to listen. Mm -hmm. Again, there's so much power in listening, isn't it? Mm -hmm. These men cannot say they were not heard. They are being heard. He's just not reacting in the way they want him to react. But he's still listening to them, and that is such a powerful image. Mm -hmm. And, of course, as they are continuing to talk, he's stooping down and drawing in the dust. <laughs> no. He's listening, but he's also sending a message. There's a nonverbal message, isn't mm-hmm. it? I hear you, but I've got other ideas. Mm-hmm. Or he's drawing them to be curious about what he's thinking. So often I want you to think about what I'm saying, Kimberly, because I'm talking at you nonstop. Maybe you'd be more interested in what's in my head if I was quiet, right. or maybe drawing something on the floor. Right. Then you'd be thinking, wait a minute. What is what,
1: he what's doing? What's he
0: thinking? Yeah. What's he thinking? And isn't there something powerful about that? And then at last, he does speak, and he turns the whole event, having heard them out, understanding their position, their passion, their desired outcome, even their motive, he turns it back and says, well, I'm not disagreeing with you altogether, right. but, but why don't you look at yourselves first and just think this through as if you were standing in the circle. Right. In other words, he's bringing the golden rule to life, I think. Treat other people the way you'd like to be treated. is." Are you without fault? Uh, because you have some faults and you acknowledge that, would you like me to pick up some rocks and throw them <laughs> at you? Yeah. I mean, he's he's totally transforming the moment because yeah. he was such an outstanding listener.
1: Yeah, he doesn't fall into the trap of debating the law with them. He affirms the law, but he just wants them to apply it to themselves. Such a powerful. I mean, you know, this is the guy you want
0: in the courtroom with you. <laughs> and and has he been listening to the woman who's at the center of the whole episode? She's not talking so far as we know, but he's still listening to her because her heart's speaking to us. Mm-hmm. To it. Was she trembling? Was she bowing her face to the ground? Was she shaken with fear? Was she bold and arrogant? What was she? I'm thinking that whatever she was, Jesus was reading her like a book. He was listening to her too because he listens to everyone.
1: I can't imagine she wouldn't have been scared to death. You know, when I, of course, when I read this passage, that's the point of view that I just default to is to think about what she thought. And I often think that, you know, part of the law was that they would have had her drink this noxious drink made of the dirt and the gravels to prove her innocence. This was kind of how they proved out whether or not you were guilty of adultery. If you got sick after you drank the dusty water, then. You were guilty. If you didn't, then you were clear. And so I always wonder: Does she think Jesus is going in the down dirt the, for that? Yes, yes is yes. he putting that together for her? But that's not what he does. Just what you said: He's he's listening to the situation, and he's he's hearing her part in it too. And he again asks a powerful question.
0: And if you are not being condemned by these guys anymore, is what he says, then you're free to go. But goes into more. So he turns it for her too. Yeah. And what's striking to me, what he listened in both audiences, to the men who are all riled up and to the woman who's in the crosshairs, he's listened to both of them and both of them have sad stories to tell, really. Both of them are broken folks. Sure. And he loved them anyway. Having mm-hmm. heard it all, mm-hmm. he still loves them and says to her, go and sin no more. Everybody gets another chance in the story, don't they? Yes. The bad guys and the woman caught in adultery. Everybody gets another chance because Jesus heard them Mm. and loved them enough to speak truth back to them, but in a way that they made the decision to go forward. Well, honestly, in life, are you being heard right now? Is there something you want to say, but you're afraid to say it? Do you have some things that you're ashamed of, but you don't even know how to get it out because there's no safe place to take it? Or maybe you've got some criticism of someone else and you just feel like you have to vent it somewhere and you don't know what to do. Well, we've got an audience for you. His name is Jesus. And if you will just allow him to hear you, he can turn your heart around no matter where you've been or what you've done, no matter how fossilized you are with anger at other people when you should be looking at yourself, he'll help you get there. Or maybe you have something you wish you had not have done And now you find yourself in an impossible predicament. He will hear you, and he'll give you a way forward. No matter what your story, he wants to hear you. Listening is the signature of Jesus. Well, how can he hear me? He invites us to pray. When you pray, he's listening. That's the whole idea. You speak, he listens. He may have some words back for you also that he'll impress upon your heart, but it always starts with you speaking. Pray with us speak to Jesus. He's listening right now. Dear Father in heaven, we thank you for your son, Jesus, who still lives. Even the grave could not contain him. And he lives and is present right now in this prayer. And Lord, we all have stories to tell. We want to be heard. And sometimes, Lord, I'm ashamed of what I have to tell you because I'm not proud of what I've done or said, or sometimes what I've not done, when I know I should have done. Lord, whatever our story is, hear our hearts. Thank you for listening so kindly, so patiently, so graciously. Hear us now, Lord, and for everyone in this prayer with us, wherever they are, hear them, hear their heart cry. And then, Lord, speak back to us with a word of grace, a a way forward, even as you are recorded so doing in John chapter 8. And I pray, Lord, that all of us will find security and safety and more of you because we know you are listening and listening well. May we meet you at Starbucks and everywhere as you listen to us and we to you. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Lord,
2: you've brought me so far. By the grace of who you are, your touch is on my Touches on my life Just you
0: wait a minute, you're thinking, that's it? No, there's more. There is more. Give us a call. Share your thoughts, your comments, your heart cries, your prayer requests, but call us up toll free 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Write this number down 1-800-757-VIEW. That's 1-800-757-8439. We're right by the phone. I promise you, we will listen. Kimberly, if someone doesn't want to call, but would rather go online, where would they find us?
1: You can visit us online at cbhviewpoint.org, and you can send us a message, and we'll respond. We are here for you.
0: That's right. CBH, those letters stand for Christians Broadcasting Hope. That's who we are, cbhviewpoint.org. Or if you prefer, just write me a letter. Address it to Jim Lyon, Viewpoint, Post Office Box 2420, Anderson, Indiana, 46018, USA. But whether you call us on the phone, check us out online, or use the post, please let us hear from you. We want to listen to you this week. Kimberly, I hope to run into you at Starbucks later today.
1: (laughs) Yes, I'll see you there. But
0: don't buy all the chocolate-covered grams. (laughs) Leave one for me, okay? You got it. And we're so thankful that you joined us today. We hope you'll be with us again next week as we continue to unpack some of these lessons from our local Starbucks that actually match up very nicely was some great teaching from the New Testament. For all of us at Viewpoint and for all of us at Church of God Ministries, which is the host of our broadcast, this is Jim Lyon. Stay tuned.